Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Good morning, everyone. How are you today? I know what you're thinking. Pastor Josh is wearing a dress, but no, it is me, Pastor Leslie. Josh is not wearing a dress today, but I'm going to do my best to yell at y'all and make you feel like you had a normal overflow service. How's that sound? Josh is always so intense, and then I get up here, and I'm like, I don't, I can't do it, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try really hard. I think I put it even in my notes, tried to yell at least once. That way I can make sure that you have a normal overflow service. Well, the first thing that we're going to do this morning is do the giveaway. So if you got a ticket, hopefully all of you ladies got your, your gift when you got in, but we have a special giveaway for one of the moms. Let's see if I can pick the winner here. It's going to be good. All right, I got it. I'm going to do this super slow motion and suspenseful. All right, here we go. Nine, seven, eight, five, eight, nine. Yay! Awesome. There's a little gift. Happy Mother's Day. All right, well, I have a super awesome privilege to share with y'all today. And not only that, I have the awesome privilege of my, one of my own moms being here today. The beautiful Jean Brown is with us today. So happy Mother's Day again. That's super special for me this morning. Well, you know, Josh and I, um, I, had, I had one sermon planned, right? Because he told me a while back that I was going to preach on Mother's Day, a keyword told. And, um, and so I was like, okay. So I started preparing and I had a thing that I was going to preach. And then one day I had a really long day. I don't even remember now what, it, but it was like, I had so much to do. And it finally was time to lay down. And that's my favorite time of the day. Anybody else with me? It's like all your tasks are done. The kids are asleep and you just lay there. And it's like, ah, oh. only now I have tinnitus. So I lay there and it goes, but that's okay. That's neither here nor there. So, but that's my favorite time of the day when I lay down and I'm like, everything's done. I can sleep. My bed is calling my name. And so, like last week, I want to say it is, I laid down. A busy day was over, and I was like, oh yes, it's the favorite part of the day. And my mind just going boom, 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 like all these things about the sermon, kind of different from what I was originally thinking I was going to preach. And I was like, God, don't you know I want to sleep? You know, I tried to like pull the I'm tired card. You know, and it just like resounded in my head. So I got my phone off the charger and the light brights up and Josh's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. So I'm like writing all these notes down. And so, so I was just thinking about the struggle in the juggle, the struggle in the juggle, but that's kind of a tongue twister. Right. And so we were trying to think of like the best way to say it. And so Josh and I, the next night we were laying in bed trying to figure out a name. And so we were like juggle, struggle, struggling with juggling. And then we just like kept going back and forth and we were laughing. And then he said the struggle in the jugular. And I was like, man. And so then we were just laughing at how vicious of a word a jugular is. I think it's somewhere over here, isn't it? I don't know. And we're like, that's such a vicious name. Like, I'm going to manslaughter you by the jugular, you know, like, bleh. Anyways, I don't know. So we were just laughing. I don't know if any other married couples do that, but we just laugh so hard at night. So it's good for you. It's good medicine for the soul. That's what the Bible says. So is there anyone here that can juggle in real life? We had three people who could juggle a little bit. Yeah. In first service, we had three people that can juggle. And I was like, I should have made them compete. Like, show off your skill, you little, you know, just kidding. I won't do that. Put you on the circus display. But um, how many of y'all know that whether you can physically juggle, um, 
we're all constantly juggling something in life. You know, we got our family and our jobs and our hobbies and our wants versus our needs and school and all these things are constantly coming at us and we're having to figure, figure out how to juggle it all. And the problem is with multitasking is it's not a class that we're taught. You know, in, when I was in junior high, there was a um, home ec class. I didn't take it. I might be a better cook now if I did, but, you know, I didn't take it. But there's no class that's for teaching you how to multitask or how to function and handle all the things that you are going to encounter in life. And there's no learner's permit that you can earn. There's no licensed juggler certification. Maybe there is, like, with real juggling. I don't know. I've never been a clown. But anyways, you know, we're all trying to figure it out as we go. And there's no, there's no right way. There's, there's no way that, that's a a formula to do it each and every person the same. And so, you know, we may see somebody like in this intro that's juggling fire and we're like, wow. And so that would be like, you know, a mom of 12 kids and they're all dressed perfectly and their hair is done and they all, you know, look nice and they have good jobs and we're over here like, whoa. And then there's, you know, then even there's the people that can just juggle like the regular three balls or apples or whatever. And that could be like, you know, just a mom with two kids and a clean house. And we're still like, wow. And we're like, what is wrong with me? I don't know about you men. You might have it in a different way. But as women, so many times we see another person, another woman, another mom doing something. And we're like, what's wrong with me that I can't do that? Or, you know, why am I unable to do things that way? Why is she a better mom than I am? But I want to tell you something today that will hopefully relieve all that pressure from you. And that is everyone starts at the same place. And that's the beginning. And everybody's beginning might look different. But nobody is juggling 12 flaming torches the first day they tried. You know, it's, it's a process. And it takes time to get there. And there's work, hard work that goes into it. So the question shouldn't be when we see somebody else doing that, we shouldn't turn it to ourselves and say, what's wrong with me? We should say, we should ask ourselves, how am I managing what I have in my hands? Because we can't compare ourselves to somebody else who's been doing it for 10 decades or two decades. I said 10 decades. Nobody's really alive that long. So pretend I didn't say that. Two decades. Um, you know, we can't compare ourselves to somebody who's been mastering it with all the practice that it takes. You know, being, being able to juggle in the natural, that takes practice. With the rare exception of maybe a few babies, you know, they're in their crib in the middle of the night, like, tossing their toys up in the air. You know, nobody just throws flaming torches into the air the first time and thinks, oh, this is going to be successful, you know? Like, you're expecting them to come down. I liked the guy in the beginning who was trying, and every time he was, like, kept dropping in the end, he was like, Bleh! like, I'm done with this. I know I've been there. I have been there. But, you know, the more you add in, the harder it gets. And that's the same with life. The more things that that we try to add onto our plate, it's complicated. You know, there's going to be this new transition of figuring it out and and mastering it. And, and, you know, that's just an adjustment phase. And I remember, you know, I'm one of three kids from my parents, and then my mom remarried, and then I was the youngest of four still. But I remember my mom telling me when I was a teenager and then later in life, she would say, after she had my sister, who is a second child, she would say, when is life going to be normal again? Like she was overwhelmed. She couldn't handle it. And she she wanted to know, when is life going to be normal again? But after a while of figuring it out and finding the new rhythm, she realized, okay, this is the new normal, you know, and there's just that adjustment phase and, and it's just the new normal. And that's just the way that it's going to be. It's never going to go back to how it was, but there will be a new normal and there will be the treasure in that, in that, you know, new normal. And so if you haven't mastered the few things in your life that you're juggling, whether that's your job, your work, your hobbies, whatever, don't go adding anything else into it. You know, we don't need to have stress just just trying to manage things. We're going to drive ourselves insane. There, there's no wisdom in adding more on when we're not even functioning well with what we have. And, you know, the 
in, the more you add in, the less time you're going to have with each thing specifically. So let's think about that for a second. If you only have one ball, but I'm going to use the microphone as an example because I don't have a ball, but I have this one, and I can hold it in my hand, and I still have a free hand. I can touch my computer. I can, you know, do my awesome gestures while I'm preaching, you know, but as soon as I have a second thing that I'm going to hold, okay, well, now I have no free hands. So like I was earlier today, I was like trying to set everything down. And so literally the more things you add into your life, the more things you, that you're putting your hands to do, the less time that you're going to have with each one in particular. And that's when the juggle begins. Once you have two things, that's when the juggle begins. I have to put this down or I have to do this, or how am I going to get to the next thing? And so the more, the more we add in, the harder it's going to get. And then we're going to have to adjust. And so there's really no, there's no wisdom in adding in more things than we can already, than we can already handle. You know, in, in the natural, I can't juggle at all. Like at all. I've tried a couple times. Not for me. I just don't need that negativity and failure in my life. So I just laid it down. I just don't, you know, I don't, why? Why, why hurt myself? So, so anyway, so, you know, also, also just... It's kind of factual. The more you add in, the less time you're going to have with each one. I'm sure there's like this math equation that you could do. And I like math. I really do. But when like letters started replacing numbers, like I got algebra, like A, B, solve for X and Y, I'm good. But then there's like these symbols that don't even look like regular English letters. And that's where I'm tapping. I know my, I know my capabilities and I'm just going to ride right here. But you know, there's some kind of a math equation that you could figure with like the speed of, and the velocity and the gravity and all this stuff. But the more, the more things you're trying to juggle, the less time, literally the less time it's going to be when your hand is on it and then it's gone to the next one, right? You're going to have less time with each thing. And, and that's how life is. We don't realize it, but when we're trying to do, you know, our job and then we're trying to you know, be audition for some play or something in town. And, you know, we're trying to do this hobby and this thing and this thing. We're really spreading ourselves thin and we're putting less of ourselves into each thing. And, you know, even if we don't realize it, you know, things like our family, our health, relationships with our friends, they're going to start to get neglected because we're not spending, we're spending time with something else at the time that we're deeming, you know, what we want to add into our thing or what we think is important. So the first thing I want to ask you this morning is if you feel like your life's a little crazy, because you don't have to raise your hand, we probably all feel like that, so there's comfort in here, you know, no judgment zone. You know, the first thing that you can ask yourself is, what can I put down? Because in all reality, we weren't made to be, you know, dozen multitasking. That's not how we were created. We can do several things. You know, I joke all the time with people, I'm like, why did God give moms two arms and octopuses eight? I just want to know, because I could use like three more, and that would be awesome. But anyways, that's not how we were created. That's not how we were designed. And so we need to ask ourselves, you know, what can we put down? Because we have no... Uh, we have no place trying to juggle more than we can handle and driving ourselves crazy. There's no wisdom that can be found in that. And we see in Colossians 3.17 and then later again in verse 23, it says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then in verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. And so if we are going to say, I'm going to put my hand to this, then we should do our best. We shouldn't just kind of throw it in. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this a little bit on the side, just here and there. You know, if we're going to do something, then we should do it with all of us, all of our heart, all of our stuff we should put to it because it is a way to point to Jesus. You know, if we're spending, you know, time out of stealing from something else, stealing from our family, stealing from whatever it is, we better be, you know, giving it, giving it to God in, in our, you know, like I said, serving like you're serving the Lord. 
You know, we are, we are no help to the Christian lifestyle witness if we are a mess. Okay, I'm not saying that we should be perfect because God knows none of us are. But if we are trying to, to let people know through our lifestyle that we are Christian and we have nothing going for us, we're a mess, we're complaining all the time, we know we're whatever it is, we're no testimony to the kingdom of God. And so there's, there's no good in that. So it's, it's better to scale back. You know, and I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm preaching myself because if you were to go to my house right now, there's probably an inch of dust on everything that's out of my line of sight. And unfortunately, my husband's taller than me, so he sees it. Sorry. But even within my line of vision, there's still like a half, a cent, a half an inch of dust on everything. And I, so I'm right there with you. I, you know, I should do better that. My hand goes to it. I should, do, I should do better. And, you know, you might be asking yourself, how does cleaning your house have to do with honoring and serving the Lord? Well, first of all, it creates an atmosphere of peace and not chaos. And we function better in an atmosphere of peace. And secondly, it allows you to be ready at any point for somebody to come to your house and be able to be Jesus with skin onto them. You know, I saw this thing not too long ago on um, Facebook. It was a comedian, and it was so true. It was like compared to the 70s to now. Like if your doorbell rang, you're like, oh, someone's here to visit me. And you go to the door, and you're, you know, you're wearing like a dress and heels, which, uh, I mean, I'm wearing that today. But most days I'm like, you know, messy bun, yoga pants, you know, like that. And so I don't, you know, so anyway, so they go to the door and they're like, hi, oh, Sally, good to see you. Come in. I I have a dozen cookies on the table. Would you like some lemon with fresh squeeze? You know, and they were ready. They were ready for people to come over. And now the doorbell rings and legit, this is me. The doorbell rings. I'm at home with the kids and I'm like, shh. And I look out that people, if we didn't have a people, I'd become a hermit. And I look out there, I'm like, nope, I'm not answering it. The only time I answer it is if it's like the UPS guy or the FedEx guy. And I wait till he's almost back to the car. And then I'm like, go. And I get my package and I shut it and I lock it. And I'm like, okay, I didn't die today. Nobody was coming to my door to kill me. I made it, you know. But there's something so awesome in that in that old way that, you know, that you're just ready to hang out with people, to love on people. And nowadays, you know, it's like, you can at least give the courtesy of a text, like, hey, I'm coming over, make sure you're dressed properly, right? But, you know, there is something to be said about having your house to, if somebody comes over, you're not worried. Because I know for me, I would invite them in, but I'd be like, well, the whole time I'm sitting there like, there's yesterday's sippy cup right there, and I forgot to throw that diaper away, you know, and I'm looking at all this stuff, you know what I'm saying? And so that it's not an atmosphere of peace. And so it's important for us to function that way. So I'm not saying now that you need to go home and clean your house. Because like I said, dust everywhere, right? And really, there's only twice a day that my house looks picked up. I say picked up. Okay, picked up. And that's in the morning before the kids wake up. And then it's five minutes before Josh gets home. Because it's like at 4.55, I'm like, Alexa, set a timer for five minutes. And then I'm like, kids, go, go, go. And they're picking up all the toys and we're making sure it looks good. And then Josh gets home and we're like, hey. And then he's like, wow, the house looks great. And I'm like, thanks, babe. We cleaned it just for you. And then 10 minutes later, it's right back where it was. Because I don't know if y'all know, when you have kids, it never stays clean. Just don't. Just don't worry about it. I'm just giving you the grace right now. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here is grace to not worry about your house being perfect when you have kids growing up. And the only time my house is really clean is on Wednesdays before a community group. So if you come to my house and you're like, wow, I need to do better. My house doesn't look like this. It's, it's, a, it's a lie. It doesn't look like that all the time. I just have to make sure that you guys think I'm clean. So 
Anyways, just kidding. It's not really a lie. I want it to be clean. It just doesn't look like that all the time. So anyway, there's just these areas in our life that, that we're trying to juggle. And one of them is just maintaining our house, you know. And so again, don't worry about going to home to clean. I just don't want anybody from overflow to end up on hoarders, okay? So if you're feeling like your house is just out of control, watch five minutes of hoarders, you're good. You're like, wow, my house looks really good, you know, and then you're, you're good to go. But, you know, you can't, you can't completely put the house ball down, you know, per se. If you have kids, you can't just put the kid ball down. Even if your kids have been bouncing a literal ball in the house for 20 minutes and you want to take it and throw it out the window, whether, whether the window's open or closed, I've been there, right? We can't just put those things down. But I can almost guarantee you in all of our lives, there is something that we are devoting our time to that we can lay down if we're struggling with juggling. So whether that's Facebook or Netflix or eating out too much when the bank account does not have a cushion for that, you know, I'd like to say that I'm pretty good at multitasking. Pastor Josh might say otherwise, but he's not up here today. So I can say that I'm really good at multitasking. And, you know, I feel like I have a pretty good rhythm and a pretty good balance. But recently I added in a new ball to my life, okay? So I wrote a book and I'm not trying to be like, I'm just saying, because it's part of my sermon, okay? So last week, all of my areas kind of came together. I had to submit my files because we found out there were some errors in the files, and it was so stressful, I had to resubmit them. And then I was working on a cake, because I also make cake. So I was working on a cake order, and then the kids were playing. And we have an Alexa, like I said earlier. We set the timer. It was given to us. It's such a blessing. We don't just spend money on electronics for no reason. But um, it's like this big, right? Like what, like a five-inch screen? It's not that big. Bigger than a phone, smaller than an iPad. And we recently found out you can watch Bubble Guppies on there. You just say, Alexa, play Bubble Guppies. And season four, episode three, like it just plays. So right next to it is our 55-inch TV, okay? And they want to watch Bubble Guppies on Alexa. So anyway, so I'm working on a cake, and the kids are crowded around the little bar thing uh, watching Bubble Guppies on Alexa. Well, I have all my cake stuff out because I'm working on a cake. Well, Uriah decides that the, bo- the bottle of black food coloring looks really appetizing. I don't know if he thought it was juice or icing, but he just takes a big old swig of black food coloring. And I'm just working on the cake. They're watching Bubble Guppies. And then I just hear, blah, 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 blah. and I turn around, and I just see it on his hands. And I think it's because he went like this. And he hates having stuff on his hands. So I'm like, oh, buddy, why'd you touch that? Come on, let's go. You know, and so then Josh is helping me. And then I realize that really it's all in his mouth. And it's like the pit of Hades inside his mouth. Like his whole tongue is black. You can't see one tooth from the other one. It's just black. And so we're like trying to get him to spit. And we have one of those faucets that you can like pull it down. And I'm like hosing it into his mouth. And everything's just coming out black. Like it's just black, black, black. And he's like, blah, blah. And, and really it makes a perfect sermon illustration. But this was real life. I was trying to juggle too many things in one day. And I pushed stuff off. You know, I could have finished that cake sooner, but I had to do with the book stuff and blah, 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 blah. And so that got me to the point where there was a little bit of chaos ensuing because I was trying to do too many things at one time. I mean, he legit looked like one of those charcoal kit now for like teeth whitening where the girls look all pretty and then they smile and it's like, like that's how he looked. It was, it was bad. But anyways, that's just what it is. And, and really, at the end of the day, Josh was like, you tried to do too many things today, hon. I'm like, I did. But I mean, what do you do? It's already after the fact. So thankfully, there's no like poison in food coloring. So we were good. We were good to go. But you know, let's be real. One of the first things a lot of us tend to put down when we feel like we have too much going on is the Jesus ball, right? 
We're like, oh, I accidentally slept in. I'm going to be late for work. I'm not going to read my Bible this morning. Or I have a lot that I have to do today. You know, I need to do this, this, and this, and I have this meeting, and I have this meeting, so I'm going to miss Bible study time, or whatever, whatever it might be. But we have a tendency to to think that because Jesus is loving and compassionate and he loves us and everything, is that we just take that ball and we set it down and then we juggle all this other stuff that we have to do. But how many of y'all know that when you take the Jesus ball that is the perfect rhythm and the perfect piece and we set it over here, this is not going to work. doesn't matter how hard you practice, you know? And so we're, we're all guilty of doing it. And then what happens is we've gone and we've set the Jesus ball down to try to do all these other things that we want to do. And we're asking God to bless what we do have in our hands and he's like, well, why'd you set me down over here? I was helping you. I was helping you. We were doing it together, but you went ahead and got, went and sat me down over here. And, and you can't just, you know, even sometimes we'll say, I am called to do this. You know, so many pastor's kids, there's like this astronomical amount, we call them PKs, pastor kids, that do not serve the Lord when they're an adult. And part of the reason is because pastors, when they are answering their calling and they're saying, I am called to do this. God called me to do this. They've taken their family ball and they've set it down because it's not what they're called to do. And those kids hate the ministry, don't want to serve God, want nothing to do with it. And so there's, there's just these balls that you cannot put on the back burner and you can't ask God to bless it when it's not in the order that he set it up, you know? And so Revelation 2, 2 through 5 says this. I know all the things you do. I have seen your work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not, but you, and discovered they are liars. Whew, how many of y'all don't want to end up in that camp? You have patiently suffered for me without quitting, but, oh, how many of y'all know when the but says there's something behind that but? All right, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works as you did at first. We can't set that ball down and end up in a person that says, God has a complaint against you. I don't know about y'all. I do not want to get to heaven and be like, yeah, I made it. And then God's like, but I have this one thing. And I'll be like, oh, like, nope, don't want, to be, don't want to be found with him saying that to me. So, you know, you might be asking God for a better job. You might be asking God for a bigger house, but a bigger house comes with bigger bills. Or you might be asking you know, for something else that you need added, you know, that you want added in or you feel wanted it. But God is looking down in his loving wisdom and he's saying, no way. I am not going to give you more because you can't handle what you have right now. And so it's so important for us to, to look at what we have. Are we managing it properly? And then once we have the stability, once we have the good rhythm, then we can add something else in, right? So I want to encourage you today. Not everybody's scenario looks the same. There's some people in here that are not married, some people that are married, some people that have kids living at home, some people that have adult children. And, and so the, each scenario is going to look different. But if you find yourself struggling, I want to just encourage you to review everything that you're trying to manage. And, and just be real with yourself. Just say, you know what? I'm trying to operate at a skill level up here, but really my skill level is probably here. And then go from there, right? And not, and not try to do something chaotically when you can't. It's better to just put it down than to try to do it. And that doesn't mean you can never return to it. If you have like a hobby of building model airplanes, my uncle loves doing that. You, you don't have to lay it down forever, but you can't do it right now when you have to provide you know, for your family or whatever, what have you. You've got to find the balance. And, and so just in case anyone's thinking about going home and saying, 
Uh, honey, I need to lay down the marriage ball because I need to work on myself. I'm going to hashtag veto that right now because you don't get to lay down the spouse ball. You don't get to lay down the kid ball. You don't get to lay down the Jesus ball. So if any of those are the three that you're thinking of setting down while you prioritize, again, can't do that. Not going to have it. Don't, and don't you say, well, Pastor Leslie said, I'm going to say veto. <laughs> Didn't say it. Took it out of context. Listen to the whole sermon. All right. All right. So anyways, so. It's just important for us to re- reevaluate. I, I think that there's so much wisdom, like I said earlier, about going back, you know, in the 70s when your house was ready and you were wearing heels all day and, you, you know, came in and let Susie or Sally or whoever she was eat your cookies. Um, but I think there's something so special about going back to an easier time. You know, we're in a Pinterest-saturated, social media highlight reel. Every occasion deserves a present. We're breaking the bank to do what we want to do, whether the funds are there or not. And we're trying to juggle all of this, and we just really need to scale it back to what do we need here, right? So I, um, you know, honestly, sometimes I feel bad for my kids when I go to other kids' birthday parties where their mom did like a Pinterest party, and I make cakes for those Pinterest parties, and then it's my kid's birthday, and I'm like, like no cake, or it's just like, you know, like slap it on there. But um, I didn't mean to make that, so I'm sorry. Anyways, um, <laughs> that was bad. Okay. Um, but anyways, we're just, we're, it doesn't need to be that big, you know. So, so I did something for my mom several years ago. We have a picture, I think. One, two, three, picture. One, two, three. Oh, there it is. Okay. So you might think, oh, that's so sweet. Leslie made that for her mom when she was like eight. But um, I was actually two weeks from graduating high school when I made this, this lovely craft here. And I don't really know what's wrong with my second finger on the, le- on the right hand there. I do remember jamming my finger in gymnastics. So maybe that was around the same time or my tracing skills were just not on point at 17 years old. But You know, I just want, I wanted to do something for my mom. I didn't have any money, and so I wanted to do something. And I just want to just, let's pay attention to the detail here, okay? Look at how it's symmetrical, and I use nice handwriting, and the nails look really nicely trimmed. And you can't really tell, but they're actually orange. And I wrote Happy Mommy Day on both sides. Granted, I think I was going to write Mother's Day, and I messed up, but I didn't want to scribble it out. So you can just start using Happy Mommy Day. You're welcome. And, you know, I think there's an arrow because I think I wrote something on the back. But the important thing is, this is no lie, I made this 16 years ago, and it is still hanging in the bedroom that I used to sleep in at my mom's house. And that's how I was able to get that picture. I was like, Mom, send me a picture of that Mother's Day thing I made for you. And so anyways, I think there's just something special. We think that it has to be grand, it has to be whatever. But I can't tell you what I gave my mom any other year for Mother's Day, but I remember that one. And so there's just something valuable about scaling back and not worrying about juggling everything. So how can we figure out how to function well with what we do have? Um, As Pastor Josh was preaching the Root series... I think that was the one before this or the one before that, that. But anyways, he, he said a scripture and, uh, from Psalm 1, and it really spoke out to me because um, I actually do get that question somewhat often, and it's not, I'm not trying to brag on myself. Please know my heart. But people do sometimes, like, you have four kids. How do you do it? Like, how do you have time to do this? Or what, you know? And really, I don't have an answer because it's not like I'm like, today I'm going to do this and that. You know, it's just like I just do. I just do, and I don't have an answer. And so... I don't really know, but it was like, as Pastor Josh started reading this, this scripture, it was like this light bulb turned on for me. And it was like, it's like an outline on how to juggle everything well in your life and how to set yourself up for success. And, and so um, we're going to go over that today. I'm going to 
read through the whole scripture and then we're going to break it down. So ready? I'll break it down. Okay, Psalm 1, 1. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. And I was like, man, that's, that's, that's what it is. And it wasn't like I was like, oh, that's me. You know, it's kind of like, oh, that, maybe that's part of why I feel like I'm not overwhelmed in life. And the cool thing about this, this outline, too, is it doesn't apply to just one person. It never says anything in there about being married, having kids, going to school, managing your job. This, this can be a formula for everybody in every season, in every circumstance, and it can help us to have a peaceful life. So, so we're going to break it down here. And the first point is watch where you get advice and who you hang out with. And that was in the first part of the scripture. So if you're feeling overwhelmed and you're going to go to somebody for advice, A, make sure that they've actually been through what you're going through before. If they've never been through what you're going through, don't ask them for advice. They don't know. And B, if they're not going to give you sound godly advice, then you back away. I want you to hear it in your head when they start telling you something. Just a beep, beep, beep. Like Pastor Leslie told you, back away. I'm not getting advice from here. There is nothing more frustrating than getting advice from somebody, following that advice, it blows up in your face, and then you're back at square one, sometimes in a worse situation than you were when you started. And I don't know about y'all, but I hate having to do the same thing over again. That is so frustrating. So if you're a struggling mom or you're a new mom, don't be hanging out with all of your single friends from high school on the weekend and staying out all hours of the night and asking them to help you find your normal again because they don't have kids. They don't know what you're doing. You find you a mommy friend. You have play dates in your yoga pants with no makeup or makeup from three days ago, and there's a no judgment zone. You just got to find where you fit. Come on now. It's important for us as children of God to hang out with other children of God. We have something to give to each other. We have this accountability and this, this history that we've been building that we can be there for other people. And so it's important that if you're going to be hanging out with people, that they need to be the godly friends that will encourage you, encourage you rightly, even if that's a kick in the pants sometimes, right? So the second thing we need to do is we need to, it says, don't join in with mocking. And I added my own word, complaining, because mocking is evil and so is complaining. You know, complaining is draining. It's, com- it's draining to yourself and it's draining to everybody around you. And really that's what kept the children of Israel in the desert for 40 years. And I don't know about you guys, but I can barely stand to be stuck in a rut for like 40 minutes. I start getting really anxious. So I can't even imagine being stuck for 40 years. I mean, that's more than I've been alive. So that's just too long. But you know, complaining is also being ungrateful for what you do have. You know, if you've never seen the movie Lion... It's on Netflix, but again, only if you have space in your juggle to add in Netflix, okay? Don't you go trying to watch it at work and get fired, because I'm not going to be responsible for that. But there's this movie on Netflix, and it's based on a true story, and we just watched it on Friday night with our in-laws, and it's about a boy, I don't want to give away too much, but it's about a boy from India, and uh, the whole time we were watching it, my amazing father-in-law just kept saying, we are so blessed. We are so blessed. And I was thinking it too. You know, you see these little kids that are, I mean, they're just filthy and they're wearing shoes that are too big because that's all they have. And, you know, they're struggling. He has nothing to eat. And, and it was just like, I mean, we have food in our pantry. We have food in our fridge. We have money in our bank to go buy food. We have a car to drive to buy the food. You know, and it's like we have so much in, 
and we don't even realize it. And sometimes we're trying to juggle all these things and we're like, oh, I have too much going on. But the fact that you have a car that needs to be paid for, the fact that you have food that you can buy, all of these things are blessings. And when you're complaining about them, you're being ungrateful for what God's already giving you. So just don't do it. And, the, uh, you know, if you're going to mock somebody, I'll just step on my little soapbox right now. Don't do it. Don't mock somebody. You know, you better try to do something that somebody else is doing before you try and go and tell them the right way to do it. If you've never been in that situation, don't try to give somebody advice when you don't know. We can't, we always assume that something looks easier from the outside until we try to do it. And then we're like, oh man, this is actually, this is actually harder than I thought. You know, everything looks easier from an onlooker's perspective. Just like juggling, you know, you're like, oh, I could do that. You throw one and it rolls away and you're like, maybe not. I give up, you know? And so we can't assume that anybody's life is easy unless we've tried to do it. So just don't, just don't mock. If you're going to mock somebody, you better trap it right here, push it back down and pray for that person or offer to help that person. All right. So, you know, we need to take things like, I can't do this. This is too hard out of our vocabulary. I think I mentioned it one time when I was doing the declarations or something, because I remember saying it like I was here and like some of you were here. And I said it, but I don't remember when it was. But I used to say, like, if my kids were being really crazy one day or, or really misbehaving, I would say, you're driving me crazy. And then I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to actually, you know, declare over myself that I'm crazy. Because how many of y'all know that negative self-talk is self-prophecy? And if you don't want something showing up in your life, then don't declare it. All right? So if you want to have easy time, better time with your kids, then you say, I'm going to have peace today through this craziness instead of saying that you're going crazy because that fixes nothing. So we got to get the right words in our mouth. Amen? You know, God calls us what we are, which is an overcomer, righteous, loved, pure, worthy, uh, you know, all kinds of things, free, redeemed, before we ever achieve it, or even in our filth, even in the midst of our mess, God calls us lovely, Right? And so Pastor Josh mentioned a few weeks ago when he was even preaching on Gideon about how when Gideon was hiding, he was fearful and he was hiding for his life and God called him a mighty warrior. And so it's not what we think about ourselves or what our situation dictates. It's what God says we are. And how, how many of y'all know as mothers, when, like, I don't know about y'all, but I find out I'm pregnant, which I would be fine with if that happened tomorrow, mind you. Pastor Josh is on another page on that story. But anyways, um, the second I found out I'm pregnant, I'm like, okay, if it's a girl, I'm going to name her Susie. <laughs> and if it's a boy, it's going to be, I'm just kidding. It'd have to have an age ending because obviously all of our kids have an age ending. But as soon as I find out I'm pregnant, what am I doing? I'm planning for that child's life. I'm picking its name. I'm calling forth its destiny. And so we've, we've said our kid's name hundreds or thousands of times before we ever see their face, you know? And when they get in trouble, oftentimes, hopefully you're not calling them something not nice. If you are, stop it. But we call them a lot of times by their whole name. You know, they're getting into trouble and, you know, it's like, Leslie Ann Murray. You know, that was my maiden name. I would get in trouble. I'd get my whole name. You know, or we, we, a lot of times we say, Judah Brown, Judah Brown, what are you doing? You know, but what are we doing? We're speaking to the destiny of their life, what they have in store for them, not their circumstances that they're making a mess in. We're speaking to the destiny that God created them. The same name that we called them before we even knew them had no right, you know, had no idea who, who they were going to be, what they're going to be. We're speaking that over them and we're saying, this is who you are. This is not who you are. This is who you are. And we're raising them up, you know, and so that's so important for us. Like, like I said, the father calls us what we are even before the circumstance or in the middle of the circumstance. And so it's so important to remember that, that God never calls us less than or a screw-up or, 
or a failure. He never looks at us and has displeasure in his heart towards us. He, he, he looks at us and he calls us the name that he paid a price for. Amen. So, all right. So the third thing that we can do is we can meditate on the law of the Lord. And so I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments. You know, when Jesus came, he brought in a new order. You know, the Ten Commandments are still good. Don't go killing somebody. But, um, you know, there's many things in the new system of the Lord, like peace, provision, comfort, stability, health, healing, prosperity, again, in context. And so God wants us to have all of these things. And so what the second half of the verse 2 says is to meditate on the day, the Lord, day and night, the law of the Lord. And so that doesn't mean you're going to start praying all day long, you know, like I need to stop working so that I can pray 24-7. No, that would be setting down the provide for your family ball. You know, you can't do that. But it's just this internal, like, what am I doing? How am I functioning to uh, allow the Spirit to minister to you wherever you are, whether you're at work or you're on your commute or, or you know, you're, or you're taking care of your kids and you've been changing 5,000 diapers for five years in a row. God has something for you right there if you'll just meditate on the, on the law of the Lord. And, and so as we go throughout our day, it's so important to, rem- to remember that in, no matter what our hands are finding to do, that we can meditate on the Lord and that He in His goodness can bring value to it. And, you know, when we focus on our problems or the things that are around us, back when I, like I was talking about complaining and mocking, when we focus on those things, we tend to forget the goodness of God. But if we think about the goodness of God, no matter what our situation is, that it'll help us to combat the negative feelings that we're having about those things. And then when we're operating out of a spirit of gratefulness, it just changes everything. So I'm going to review over the points again, because that's what Pastor Josh does. And he's been preaching for 20 years and he knows how to do it. So I'm going to do what he does. So number one is watch where you get advice from and who you hang out with. Number two is don't join in with mocking or complaining. Number three is meditate on the law of the Lord. And the fourth one is to be planted by the river and we will prosper in all we do. We've got to leave ourselves planted in the Lord. We cannot abandon that posture. We've got to let those roots go deep down. And in John 15, 4, it says, Remain in me as also I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither you can bear fruit uh, neither you can bear, can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So if we want to be successful in whatever we do, now here's the great thing. Again, it applies to everybody. It applies if you're a mom. It applies if you're a dad. It applies if you have no kids. It, it applies if you have a job, if you don't have a job. If you want to be successful in whatever you do, we need to follow this outline. We need to, we need to be grateful. We need to have thanks in our words. We need to stay planted. We need to avoid the, the, um, the way of the sinful life. And when we stay planted in Jesus... That doesn't mean that we're never going to make mistakes again. That doesn't mean we might not try something and realize, you know what? I'm not really good at yodeling. I'm going to put that down and focus on these things. That doesn't mean you're a failure, right? It just means that's not your calling, and that's okay. But as long as we stay planted where we are and we operate in these things, the word says right there, we will be prosperous in everything that we do. Everything that we do will be prosperous. And it says that we will have fruit in season and out of season. How many of y'all know that apple trees don't have apples all year long? It's not natural. But in the supernatural, we can do things that are not natural. So what it says is that we would be, that we would bear fruit in every season and that everything we do will be prosperous. And so, you know, we can't expect everything we do to be prosperous if we're just not following this outline for our life, if we're not remaining planted and getting the continual nutrition that we need from being planted by the river of God. You know, we want, if we want our lives to be thriving and prosperous, then this is just such an easy thing to follow. It really is. Maybe not every day, but overall it is. And so I would encourage you, 
read that every morning, or it's only like five chapter, I mean five verses, so it's not even that long, or put it on your wall or something and remind yourself that you can be prosperous in everything you do if you, if you set your life uh, to follow the Lord. And, and again, this is, this is a way that we can have an open testimony to other people. I am so timid and I lack courage when it comes up to going, like for me, going up to one person and being like, did you know that the gospel you know, like, I can't, I can't do it because this, the fear of rejection is so strong on me. I would much rather talk to, like, 6,000 people, and then they're probably thinking whatever they want about me, but I don't know. I don't know if they're rejecting me. But there's something about that face-to-face rejection that's hard for me. But there's, there's, there's something cool about having a lifestyle testimony that it will draw people to you, and they will be looking for what you have, and they will come to you, and you don't have to worry about that because they're going to come to you and they're going to see the change and they'll be like what is going on or how do you do it like I said you say you know what without like Jesus juking them that means like well it's all the Lord praise God you know but being like I really try my hardest to make sure that my life honors God and that everything I do I want him to be pleased with it and he's and he blesses it you know and it sets us up it sets us up to be a testimony to people just by our lives our life being in order and functioning well and so I just want to encourage you guys in that today that we, would, that we would work hard to put down what we need to put down to, to get to the skill level that we need to be at and to, to let God bless it all by remaining in Him. <laughs>